Good morning and welcome to Malvern Hill Baptist Church, whether you're gathered here with us in our sanctuary or gathered in our gymnasium or gathered in your den or gathered wherever it is that you may be around a television screen or a mobile device or a computer. We are grateful that you have joined with us as we continue to figure out exactly what it looks like to live in this very strange world and yet Today we still gather, and we gather this weekend with several things on our minds. We gather, of course, remembering and reflecting upon the the freedoms that we have as Americans. We shot some fireworks yesterday ourselves just as a good reminder of the joy that we have together as, as Americans and to remember those who have sacrificed in many ways so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we have. I always appreciate Buster sharing Um, from his heart and his perspective as a veteran and a man who's able to offer uh, those thoughts from a different perspective than I can even imagine. We also gather on a Sunday morning as a reminder uh, that Jesus Christ is still the King of all kings and Lord over all. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to gather with you to worship this morning. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. I'm going to give you just a few announcements before we jump into the text. First of all, I, I just one more time, and if y'all have heard me say this like 30 times and you're tired of hearing it, I, I want to say one more time how grateful I am for the, the guys that we have that have worked diligently on our technology over the last three, four, I don't know, 12 years. I don't, I can't, I don't know how long we've been in this anymore. Uh, but y'all, uh, our technology has had to shift and change Every week, uh, and 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 we've even had the strangest things. Our you know soundboard that goes out that's not supposed to, and so. Uh, Kevin and Scott have worked diligently this week to get some of the buzz out that was in last week, and we were hoping to do some remote stuff in the back, uh, but that didn't happen this week. But um, we're, we're, we're just a lot of awesome things, and, and I just, y'all, for those guys who are putting in a lot of time and effort, and they drive me nuts because I'm up here in my office trying to do whatever I'm doing, and I hear them screaming from the gym to the sanctuary and back, and uh, people are toting cables, and I'm just whatever. Y'all have a good time. But uh, just seriously, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Uh, so please, um, if, uh, if you have a, a, just a, a moment to see one of those guys, thank them uh, for all that they're doing there. The guys that are running our sound and our video, and, and they're doing it in, uh, I'm telling you, we're piecing things together right now. We, we, we lost a soundboard that should be back next week, but it's just, it's been fun to watch them uh, patch things up and, and make all that work. So I'm gl- gl- glad for that. The other thing that I would just mention to you, I mentioned last Sunday and I mentioned on Wednesday uh, that we were going to send out a survey. We did not do that until today. And the reason that we waited was because um, after I spoke with several of, uh, of y'all, um, those of you that are home, those of you that are here, and we're here last week, uh, rather than just send a survey out after one time gathering indoors, I spoke with several folks who said, hey, we weren't there this week. We plan on being there next week. So we figured we would give it uh, time uh, and send that out. So um, that is in your inbox. It is a short survey that will take you three minutes to fill out if you have problems with it. Um, and it's, it's uh, like the first question is, I would prefer to worship indoors or I would prefer to worship outdoors. Everybody can give us an answer to that. The second question is, um, in, in, in light of the current conditions medically, I am not 
uh, able to worship indoors or I'm not comfortable to worship indoors. And so if there's those of you that have medical issues, especially in the age, we want to hear from you. We want to know what that looks like because we're kind of trying to figure things out and we want to know how we can best minister as many people as possible. And then just so that y'all can give us all of your full opinion, there's a place at the bottom where it says comment. And you can say, Craig, you're an amazing pastor and I'll appreciate that. You can say this whole thing's a hoax and I wish you'd shut up and move on and I will read that. Um, I won't appreciate it, but I will read that and I will receive that. Um, you can say, hey, hey, we're, we're doing everything we can. But uh, just, just so that uh, we can get some feedback from y'all because it matters to us. We're a congregational church. And so it's, it's not just that as, as your leadership, as, as pastors and deacons that we want to hear. I do want to hear from you. Um, we need to hear from you. Because we are a congregational church, which means that we need to be ministering to our people in the way that, uh, that as best we can tell, fits within the desires of our congregation and the needs of our congregation. So please uh, communicate with us and let us know uh, just those few short questions on that survey so that we can continue to figure out how we can best minister to as many of you as is possible. I believe that that's all the announcements that I needed to mention this morning. Hopefully by now you've made it to the book of Hebrews chapter 5. I didn't turn, so hopefully in seminary I learned where the books of the Bible are and I can get there quickly. If y'all could laugh, that would be really helpful. Uh, on camera, you can't see the bare bones that we have in this building right now. And so all of y'all celebrated 4th of July too much. And this is why we're going to cut the live stream off every year on the 4th of July so nobody has an excuse to stay home from moving forward. If you have your Bible, stand with me in honor of God's word. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Now listen, this is God's word, not the word of any man, and it is powerful. Pay attention. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself but made, uh, to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that your word would be as alive to us, Lord God, as you intend for it to be, that it would sear into our hearts and our minds that father god it would change us that father as a result of an encounter with the holy word of god we would walk away different we pray these things in the name of jesus christ our savior our lord and our great high priest amen you may be seated now listen, after spending a great deal of time explaining that Jesus is the better high priest, the author of Hebrews goes on to explain exactly how it is that Jesus is the great high priest. He does it right here. 
Uh, it's important for us to remember that Jesus didn't win a popularity contest. He wasn't granted this office of high priest by lineage. Instead, he is a high priest on the authority of God's decree. This morning, I want us to wrestle with the question of what is it about Jesus that is so special? What makes Jesus unique? Why is Jesus this perfect priest? The answer is that he checks all the boxes that were necessary for any human high priest. In verses 1 through 4, and we won't camp out there today, but in verses 1 through 4, we see all of these sort of expectations. Jesus meets all of these and then some. So every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. Jesus was appointed. We're going to see how in a minute. He was appointed to do what? To offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Of course, Jesus was appointed to do that, but he offered not only sacrifices, but the ultimate sacrifice for sins. Uh, We see that he can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward since he himself is beset by weakness. It's important that Jesus is a human being because only in his flesh can Jesus empathize with us. Can he know our weaknesses and our struggles? Um, Uh, Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins just as he does for the people. Now, this is where it takes a turn. And it takes a turn because one of the things that sets Jesus apart is he has no obligation to offer sacrifice for his own sins because Jesus never sinned. And so when Jesus steps onto the cross of Calvary, he does so not atoning for his own sin, but atoning for the sin of all of the world and no one takes this honor for himself but only when called by God just as Aaron was we don't see Jesus standing up and pumping his chest and saying look at me but instead as we're going to see in just a few moments we see on multiple occasions where the Lord God himself speaks from heaven and says this is my son Jesus is the great high priest John MacArthur says he isn't the greatest priest he is the great high priest the only one no one else has ever or ever will be qualified as a high priest Jesus meets all of the qualifications as only Jesus can every other high priest that we saw in the old testament was a shadow pointing to the reality who was to come and that reality is the person of Jesus Christ So what is it that makes Jesus so special? The first thing we see this morning is that Jesus was appointed by God. Over and over and over again, uh, well, that was three overs. It might just be over and over again. That was a whole lot of overs. But over and over again in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews compares Jesus with Melchizedek. Now, that's a big word. We got kids in here with us. Our kids, uh, I know you guys are missing children's worship, and I'm sorry, and I I long for the day that we can return to that. Uh, But since we've got kids in here with us and in the gym with us, why don't we have our kids try and practice saying that's a big word, right? Melchizedek. Can y'all say that? Y'all can go home and practice that. If you can say it three times fast, we'll give you candy or something. But who is this Melchizedek? He's this strange person that appears only one time in the Scripture. In the book of Genesis, chapter 14, verses 17 and 18, so only in two verses, um, we've got um, uh, this return after battle. Abram's coming with others. And in in, in chapter uh, 14, verse 17, the Bible says, after his return from the defeat of... Now, kids, this is another word that I'm going to need your help with because the word is... I should have practiced this one more. Shadora Loamer, right? Y'all can do that one. Okay. After his return from the defeat of the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheba, that is the king's valley, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest 
of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Melchizedek is a priest of God prior to the implementation of the priesthood in the Old Testament law. Right? Uh, what Melchizedek shows us is that there were followers of God before there was the giving of the law to God's chosen people in the books of Exodus, uh, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Prior to that, there were still followers of the law. So even during the days of Abram, the worship of the one true God was not limited only to the people of Abram. God's name was famous well beyond the small circle. And there in Salem, which we believe to be Jerusalem, okay, that's Jerusalem, he was king and high priest of Salem. He was set apart by God. Now, um, uh, figuratively, since he sort of comes out of nowhere, he has no predecessor and no successor. And so the Bible pictures Melchizedek not as a line of priests, but figuratively as a priest whose priesthood had no beginning and has no ending because he just sort of comes out of nowhere, it's plopped down in the middle of the text, and then we don't hear about him anymore. He's a type of... That is a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. In other words, what Jesus is going to be in the New Testament is foreshadowed in the person of Melchizedek. All right? Now, how does Jesus become a king? Or excuse me, how does Jesus become a priest? He's plucked out of nowhere. He's dropped in the middle. He's, he's born of a virgin. He sort of comes upon the scene from absolutely nowhere. He begins preaching and teaching. And all of a sudden people say, who is this guy? Listen, there was never a vote to appoint Jesus as a high priest. Do you understand that? As Americans, we've seen over the last uh, few years how it is that votes have to be counted. And there can be uh, arguments about who wins a vote based on exactly how it is that the number of votes come in. Today, I sat in my office. I pulled, I have this in a drawer in my office. I pulled out a big manila envelope. And in that envelope is every vote that was cast 13 years ago when y'all voted to call me as your pastor. I have them all. I wish y'all had written your names on them. That way I could keep up the track. Five of you voted against me. I don't know who those five are. I have worked diligently to, to discern them. Nobody will admit it through the years. Listen, I'm not going to kick you out of the church. I just want to bring you a casserole. And thank you. I don't know who they were, but you know what? There, there, there's the potential that there were five. Well, let me back up. I know that there were five people who voted against me coming as your pastor. Now, it's possible that some of those five still sat around and said that was a bad decision and they're here and they're still mad at me or they left. It's possible that some of those five said, you know what, I just didn't think, as, as one pastor told me when he was voting as a church, he had one no vote and he could never figure out why he had just this one no vote. And after he'd been there for a few years, one of the members pulled him aside and said, Pastor, I want you to know I voted against you coming as our pastor. And he said, well, why are you telling me that? He said, well, I just wanted you to know why I voted against you. I, I didn't disagree with you. I, I didn't dislike anything about you. I just don't believe that anybody should ever be approved for anything on, un, on a unanimous vote. So I voted no to make sure that there wasn't a unanimous vote. What a guy, right? Wouldn't you just love to be friends with that guy? But the reality is when we think about high priesthood in the Old Testament... 
and, and even leading up to the time of Jesus, we know that there was often tension. That's why we have Pharisees and Sadducees. We have these two um, we won't call them warring parties, but we have these two factions in, in Judaism in the first century. And these two factions are often involved in some degree of competition as to who would be the high priest. All right? Now, there was a belief that through the series of, of uh, or through the process of selecting the next high priest that God's hand was involved in that. I continue to believe that to be the case myself, that, for instance, when we look at who is appointed as, as, our, as our president or even in our Congress, that those who are there are God's people for God's purposes, right? There may be times when we look back and we say that God put a person in office to judge. There are other times we look and say that God put a person in office to save. But regardless of why they're there, I believe that God's hand is active in all of those things. But y'all, there can be no competition about why it is that Jesus is our great high priest. Folks, when at his baptism, God declares verbally, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, it sort of leaves a mark. When on the Mount of Transfiguration, the heavens part and God speaks verbally to those disciples gathered and says, this is is my son. Listen to him. It really begins to cancel out a lot of the comments about choosing the wrong guy. When he dies on a cross and walks out of a tomb, it's pretty safe to say that he is God's chosen man. Every other high priest is assumed to be appointed by God, but understand in a fallen world, even the appointment of a high priest could be political. That's part of why we see what I talked about, the division there between Sadducees and Pharisees. But when it comes to Jesus, there is no question. Jesus is not appointed by human hands. It was the very divine hand of God that put Jesus on earth and put Jesus into place as our great high priest. So Jesus was appointed by God. Second this morning, we see that Jesus intercedes for his people. The high priestly prayer is one of our best examples. Jesus interceded there. He began to pray in John 17, Lord God, be with them. Your memory verse in the study guide this week is from John chapter 17. But there in John 17, Jesus says, I was with them. Lord God, I've kept them. Now, God, you keep them. Lord, they are in the world, but they are not of the world. Lord God, protect them. Jesus is interceding on our behalf. You understand what interceding means? Interceding means there's somebody that gets in between me and the person ahead of me, and that person is trying to advocate on my behalf. Right? Maybe you've done this for your children on occasion. Have you ever interceded for your kids? We spent some time with grandparents in recent weeks, and grandparents are really good at interceding for their, for their grandchildren. Moms, dad, y'all have experienced this before? Where you have the child that walks up with grandma in tow, and, you know, dad, I was thinking... Me and grandma were talking, and, and we had an idea together. And, and, and that kid just waits for the grandparent to kind of nod, you know, let me intercede. And I love this phrase from grandparents. You know, I, when you, you know, I would do this if I were you. And I'm like, whatever, Mom. When I was a kid, you beat me senseless. You didn't do anything for me. She didn't beat me senseless. But I just, what happens with grandparents, Right. I mean, something shifts, and they're not the same. I, I can remember these people that raised me, 
And I can remember the expectations that were placed upon my life. And then these grandchildren come along and we're supposed to just allow them to run roughshod over the whole entire world. But that's what grandparents do and they intercede on behalf. Jesus is an intercessor. Now not in the way that a grandparent is, but instead Jesus is an intercessor going before us to the Father. But Jesus interceded first and foremost not, not for us to get our way. Certainly not primarily for that. Jesus interceded on the cross of Calvary. In Romans chapter 8, beginning verse 31, we read, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who was interceding for us. Interceding, you see that? But who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we have been killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither life nor death nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. But I want you to understand that when the Bible talks about us not being separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, it's not suggesting that somehow in the midst of all of those things I am going to overcome on my behalf And in my own strength, that I'm going to do everything that's necessary to hold on. No, what it's saying is that because Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, regularly interceding, regularly standing in our place. Yes, he's a filthy, rotten sinner, Lord, but I died for him too. Yes, he's a filthy, rotten sinner, but I died for him too. I died for that. I love him and I died on the cross. I interceded there. It is that intercession of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross of Calvary that allows for you and for I to have regular access into the throne room of God as we looked at last week. It is because Jesus is interceding on our behalf that we actually have hope. You understand? So Jesus is the great high priest because he intercedes. But he doesn't intercede in the way that the old high priest did. The old high priest went in one time a year and the high priest interceded one time a year for the unintentional sins of the people. You understand that? The purpose for the, for, for the, for the day of atonement was not to atone for intentional sin. There was an elaborate system of sacrifices that were prescribed for all of the regular people to atone for their individual sin. The high priest went in once a year to atone for the unintentional sins of the people of Israel. One time a year. Jesus is regularly, daily, moment by moment interceding for us because of the precious blood of Jesus that was shed shed on the cross of Calvary. That's the blessing we have in Christ. So Jesus is appointed by God. Jesus intercedes for his people. Third, this morning, Jesus is perfectly obedient. Now, we've got to be careful when we say that Jesus is perfectly obedient because if we're not, we sort of give this idea that Jesus does what he didn't want to do to honor the Father, right? When we say that Jesus is perfectly obedient, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 says that he learned obedience as a son, Now, that doesn't somehow suggest that Jesus, in doing what God the Father expects of him, does what he doesn't want to do. Do you understand? 
There, the, the, the Trinity, when we affirm the Trinity, we affirm the Godhead, we affirm that the will of the Father is the will of the Son and it is the will of the Holy Spirit. Those things are not separate, right? They share the same will, the same purpose, the same intention. Also, when we talk about learning obedience, we don't suggest that Jesus learned obedience in the way that we learn obedience. How is it that we learn? We learn obedience usually through what? Disobedience, right? It is because of my disobedience that I learn the cost of my disobedience that I, I begin to understand and appreciate the value of obedience. Does that make sense? Right. I, I, as, as, as a child, you know, I learned that if I use a bad word, uh, maybe I get or if I tell a lie, I get soap in my mouth over a while. I, I, I begin to associate those bad things with bad consequences and I begin to pursue the good things. Right. And, and, and as adults, we do that, don't we? You get caught speeding a few times. You begin to, you begin to associate uh, speeding tickets and, and, and uh, higher insurance rates with, with speeding. So you begin to choose uh, a lower rate of speed. Well, theoretically, some of you do. Uh, choose a lower rate of speed so you don't experience those bad things. Jesus doesn't learn obedience through disobedience because Jesus is perfectly obedient, right? H however, it is the case that Jesus learns obedience through steps of faith, Right? And, and, and don't we all see this, not, not the negative side of, 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 of learning obedience, but instead we, we see the value of obedience as I take a step of faith, and in so doing, I see that, faith, that step rewarded, uh, and with each step in the journey and each step of obedience, I, I see each step uh, and, and, and the Lord being with me as I am obedient. I am encouraged to be even more obedient and to trust and to follow more and more every single step of the way. That's what we're saying right here about Jesus. Jesus learned obedience, and this is in his human nature, and it's important for us to affirm that, right? Because Jesus is a real person. He is not sort of a person. He is a real person. He was perfectly obedient, and as a result, he did the will of the Father. Finally, this morning, he is the source of eternal life for all who obey him. Now look, every other high priest struggled with obedience because they were human beings, right? Uh, only Jesus Christ was perfectly obedient all the way. The book of Philippians says what? He submitted to the will of the Father and was perfectly obedient all the way where? To the point of death, even death on a cross, but not only was he perfectly obedient, he is the source of eternal life for all who would obey him. All, not some, all. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9, And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal life or of eternal salvation to all who would obey him. No other priest could accomplish this. Priests made atonement for some sins, but they did not make atonement for all of the sins. So we pointed out, pointed out just a minute ago. They made atonement on the day of atonement for what? For the unintentional sins of the people. But Jesus Christ made atonement for all. Jesus did something altogether different. Jesus has paved a way for salvation to be available for all who will call upon the name of the Lord. I appreciated Buster's comments this morning. I've already made reference to that. But, but Buster, you just really brought to light to me as you said this morning that Fully 25% of the world doesn't enjoy the freedom of worship that we have. Which means that 25% that, you know, of the world, 25% of the world doesn't have free access to the gospel. But there's an even greater percentage of the world that doesn't have access to the gospel, not because there isn't freedom, but because the people of God are not obedient, carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
What a shame would it be for in the United States of America that we've celebrated this week, what a shame would it be for there to be people who have not been exposed to the truths, the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not because they're not free to hear it, but because the people of God are not obedient to carry the good news. Well, what is this good news? Jesus, as the great high priest, did something altogether different. Jesus made it possible for all who would obey him to become sons and daughters of God. To become saved children of the most high. At the end of the day, this is our greatest hope as evangelical Christians. See, as evangelical Christians, we're not defined by a voting block. And that's an important thing for us to keep in mind. Our, our, our news media likes to talk about evangelicals a lot. And anymore, that, that seems to be a, a political statement. But why are we known as evangelical Christians? We are known as evangelical Christians because we believe in the evangel. That is the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reason that we are evangelical Christians is not because we vote a certain way or look a certain way or drive a kind of a vehicle or do something in particular. We are evangelical Christians because we believe that the world is lost and in need of a Savior. And we believe that the only hope for the entire world is Jesus Christ. And folks, it is really appropriate that on this 4th of July... Well, the 5th of July, but on this 4th of July weekend, as we reflect upon the freedoms we have as Americans, that we be reminded of the incredible freedom that is available to all who would call upon the name of the Lord. When it's all said and done, we could really sum it all up this way. Um, one of the largest differences, most significant differences between Jesus and the Israelite high priests is that the high priest of Israel offered atonement and sacrifice for the people of Israel. The high priest was really focused in a ministry only to a particular group of people in a particular time. But Jesus Christ is building for himself a people of every nation, tribe, and tongue. Jesus' ministry is not bound by geography or bloodlines the ministry of Jesus Christ, our great high priest, is one that extends the, the opportunity and the hope of salvation for all who will call upon the name of the Lord. Y'all, the book of Hebrews gets into some really deep things and some big words like Melchizedek. And sometimes we can get so wrapped up in Melchizedek that we miss Jesus. The only reason that Melchizedek matters in the book of Hebrews is because he points to Jesus. And Melchizedek isn't the picture. Jesus is the picture. He's the more perfect Melchizedek. He's the better and more perfect high priest. He is the hope for all of mankind. As we gather here today, whether at home or in person, I want you to know that the thing that's so special about Jesus is absolutely everything. He alone is able to save. And he stands ready today to forgive you. I titled this sermon this morning a divine appointment. I don't believe I even mentioned that when it began. But it's a Jesus. We, we use that word appointment in two kind of ways. I may get an appointment to have my hair cut, but I also can speak of appointment as in someone has been appointed to do something. Well, Jesus is a divine appointment in that it, he was appointed high priest by the hand of God. But that divine appointment may also be 
the appointment that Jesus has for you today to be here, whether in person or online, hearing this word of hope that no matter where you've been or what you've done, that God loves you. And he sent Jesus Christ as the perfect sacrifice for your sins. And all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Folks, I want you to know, every single human being who's ever been born on the face of God's green earth is a sinner in need of a Savior. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Every single one. Doesn't matter what anybody else says because that's what God's Word says. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But Jesus, God's Son, was made sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. What does that mean? That means that you are sinful but Jesus is perfect. And Jesus made a way today for you to know Him. Today, if you don't have a relationship with Lord Jesus Christ and you're here in this sanctuary, I'll be right down here. If you're in our gym, Pastor Adam is back there. We'd love to pray with you. We'll keep our distance from you. We'll put our mask on. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you about what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. If you're watching at home, if you're watching for the first time or the 30th time, if you're watching at home and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, listen to me. God loves you right where you are. He wants to have a relationship with you. Your sin has separated you from a holy God, but it doesn't need to continue to be be that way because Jesus has made a way for you to be made right. Would you turn to Jesus today and be saved? If there's anything we can do for you, please reach out to us and let us know. This morning we're going to sing to the only King, the only High Priest who brings hope forever. Join with me in prayer. Father God in heaven, we are grateful for your love and your grace. Lord, I am so thankful for Jesus. Lord God, he is our only hope. I pray, Father, as we sing, that you'd be glorified and honored. That, Father, if there be one watching online or joining us here in person who doesn't know you, that, Father God, today could be the day they call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and experience salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.